0: Weak mortals, we accomplish nothing good without you. Help us to see and understand the things we ought to do, and give us grace and power to do them through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
1: The Old Testament reading this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 through 20. Moses said to the people, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Word of God, word of life. From Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Happy are they whose way is blameless, who follow the teaching of the Lord. Happy are they who observe your decrees, you who never do any wrong, but always walk in your ways. That my ways were made so direct that I may keep your statutes. I will thank you with a true heart when I have learned your righteous judgments. I your do not
0: This lesson today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 9. Brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you're still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and the other says, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose. And each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. Word of God, word of life. Be to God. Please stand if you're able for the gospel reading. The Gospel according to Saint Matthew, the fifth chapter. Verses 21 through 25. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment and you, will, you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you are liable to the hell of fire. So when you are, are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister. And then... Come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. This is the word of the Lord. Baby, see. the epistle reading from Paul's letter to the Christian community at Corinth Paul reminds his community of faith those listening to his teaching then and the, this community of faith listening to Paul's teaching here today that they were and we are all in all into what we call faith and church and service and community together right and that we all belong to Christ. No one had then and for sure I don't believe anyone has now certainly not this pastor a monopoly on truth and what is right. So just before this epistle lesson that we that I read to you from uh 1 Corinthians um, 3 is a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13. It says and we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Paul mentions how we share spiritual things with other spiritual people. And the Corinthians probably thought that Paul was including them in that claim when they read that part of the letter. That in their own opinion, they were spiritual people, special spiritual people, and especially strong and devoted spiritual people, or maybe both. But then... All of a sudden, in the letter, Paul shifts gears. In the beginning of chapter 3, with an emphatic I am contrasted to you are. Watch out when Paul starts doing that. I am, you are. You're in trouble. The you are's are in trouble anyway. (laughs) Then as the scripture continues, Paul shakes up the system even more. It makes clear that he believes that those in the church at Corinth, the people that he's writing the letter to, aren't really spiritual at all. Paul goes on in his letter to support this opinion by saying that the Corinthians' behavior is being determined by their competition for status and their striving for all the things that are clearly pursuits of society, of the secular world, rather than motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you see, when Paul talks about flesh in this passage, it should not be understood as something internal, private, or hidden. In this text, flesh is all about and means the basic, standard, normal, agreed upon ways that the human society functions. And I would say, to to make it modern for today, the way the modern human society functions. The accepted ways of defining and pursuing the good life as determined by the rest of the world. One commentator says, the Corinthians are still fleshy because they're acting as though Christ has not changed any of that. They have failed to realize how the gospel of the cross has brought a new creation. They are still acting as though the pursuits and the goals that the world promotes are determinative and defining for the church. That's us. Paul then says, he tells them directly that they're acting like little children. Oh my... The challenge for most of us, well by the way, if I said to you, you're all acting like little children, you probably wouldn't like it very much, right? (laughs) So imagine if you got a letter that was yelling at you like that. He probably put it in caps and put exclamation points after it. If it was a text, it was all caps. The challenge for most of us in considering this lesson from Paul is that we recognize something of ourselves in the ways of being that Paul is pointing out among the Corinthian people. And the ways that they are being enacted. I know that this is sometimes hard to hear, but communities of faith, and even our community of faith, God forbid, can become divided and territorial and distracted by old allegiances and to the former way of doing things by the but-we've-always-done-it-that-way-before syndrome (laughs) and sometimes by old hurts and old fights that never seem to die or go away. Paul seems to be reminding us that sometimes... We so easily think that those things, often insignificant in the big picture, need to define us or need to still define us. Another challenge, so many churches often adopt the culture's claims about what ought to be valued and pursued as the center of our identity. You know, there's a whole list of them. I could go on for a long time, but these are just some of them. Power over others. Prosperity at the, at the cost, at all cost, Nationalism, because that can be a problem. Our way is the only way. Oh no, nobody ever does that. And unconsciously maintaining some safe distance, listen to this one, from those who would make that prosperity, the prosperity that most of us enjoy, uncomfortable. Oh my... We, you and me, all of us, like the Corinthians that Paul is addressing in this epistle, this letter, resist being shaped by the wisdom of the cross sometimes, don't we? Paul then suggests a solution to all this a theocentric view. What? A God-centered view, both of the church's leaders and the church's own identity. What do I mean, a theocentric view? Well, let me give you an example. In verse six, Paul is telling us about the Corinthians bickering over who is an act, who's actually an apostle, a disciple, a follower, and who qualified to be to be apostles. And, to the, and he puts all that in proper perspective because they're fighting about I, I I got my faith from Apollo, so mine is better than you because you got yours from Paul. And they're going back and forth and to and fro. Paul clearly says that Paul planted a seed of faith. And another, this other disciple, Apollos, watered the seed in the people of Corinth. But Paul doesn't stop there, as Paul is declaring and reminding all of us that God was, quote, was giving the growth. Paul also stresses that this growth is also God's ongoing continual action in each of our lives. Paul comes right out and and humbly says that all of the work and effort by Paul himself or Apollos or anybody else would would have been fruitless, in other words, didn't bear anything in creating apostles, followers of Jesus Christ, if God had not been at work all along with them in all they did. We need to understand that no matter who is saying it or doing it, no matter who is preaching or teaching or praying or helping or getting their hands dirty for others or speaking out for some who have no voice at all, this is the foundation, the rock that is a secure foundation of our faith. All of this has God at the center. And if it doesn't, we're in trouble. And all of this has God actively along with us. God better be alongside of us in all that we do or it might not work. It might not happen. It might might not be sustained. Whether the ministry is carried out by the designated leaders of the church or by individual members of the church in their own particular vocations and gifts and abilities or by the community of faith as a whole, all have or should have God at the center all the time, everywhere, every place. We engage in ministry in the trust and hope that God is going to be at work with us in and through what we do to bring that, the growth that God wants. Sometimes we get caught up in that. There's all kinds of stuff that we want. We want this and we want that and we want to do this and we want to do that. But we forget to stop and pray and think about and listen and listen to those around us about what God might be calling you or calling somebody else. And we hear it from them and oh my goodness, that's what, that is what we're supposed to be doing. Because God is at work in those places. If the work we are engaged in is built on something, some other conviction, I would say that it isn't really ministry of the gospel, but is focused somewhere else and with other goals in mind. Our understanding and our practice of mission, our mission, the mission of this faith community in every way that we find it, is being lived out in the life and work of this community of faith. And it should not be shaped. It shouldn't be shaped by our culture's assumptions. Not by, as one commentator says, our culture's assumptions about consumerism and the associated assumption that mission means looking like the best religious deal on the block. Mission must not be shaped by our culture's lionizing, idolizing of the entrepreneurship and it's assumption that we are called to sell the gospel. Somebody's got to buy it or we're not doing it right. The commentator continues, rather than such culturally bound interpretations, or as the lesson from First Corinthians says, fleshy, fleshy interpretations ways of seeing the church's mission and ministry. These words of scripture might lead us to imagine what it means that our calling is to plant the seed of God's mercy which will grow by God's action and in God's time. The commentator finishes with this statement. We are called to nurture and water that mercy with compassion and love and justice and leave whatever growth in whatever form, to God alone. Because when we do that, we begin to understand our faith more fully and who we are, who we are together, but most importantly, whose we ultimately are. Moving to verse 9, we come to Paul's discussion of the central point of the passage, I believe. So if, if, if the clear, under, if the understanding is clear that the church and, all, and its leaders all belong to God, and the church gets and keeps its identity from the reality that we all belong, body and soul to God, the Apostle Paul had addressed the Corinthians right away as the church of God in chapter 1 verse 2. But they had failed to realize the implications and the responsibilities that come when a community of faith embraces the claim and calls themselves and declares themselves like we've been doing in worship all morning and all weeks past and all weeks to come. We embrace the claim and call ourselves a part of the church of God, a community of faith that expresses faith in the gospel according to Jesus Christ. And that because of our faith, all that we do and all that we have... Belong to God and God alone. Perhaps it also teaches us that we all need a reminder. That whether we spend time, spend this worship time in the pulpit or in the pew. That neither the congregation nor the ministry belongs to us. And that the church does not belong to us or the culture or the marketplace. It doesn't even belong to the particular theologians or particular denominations or denominational confessions or particular ways of believing. The church and everybody in it belongs to God. The church is called to see in and through and sometimes despite all of us in the church that God is the one who is bringing growth and maturity and the full flowering of the seed that has been planted through the preaching and the living and the studying of the gospel message. We belong to Christ. None of us has a role in deciding that for judgment belongs to God alone. We have good ideas and we try our best but ultimately, God is working God's purpose out through those of us who are willing to repent, to turn around and go a different way. A way different from the rest of the world. It is more important than ever that we, each of us, both you and me, listen carefully for what God is calling each of us to do and what God is calling each of us to do together. What kind of community will be able to create and hold on to all of this stuff in our lives how can we be sure that the laws we follow not only keep us out of trouble but assist us in creating community and communities of faith and fellow believers And what portions of the laws and laws themselves do we need to emphasize and lean on and build on to ensure that you and me and all of us together create the kind of community of faith here at Jerusalem Western Salisbury Church that is pleasing not to us, but to God alone. So then, how can all this help us to embody the teachings and ways of Jesus? How does asking Jesus to come and dwell in our homes, at our church, and in all that we do and say change us? And more importantly, change the world. Well, it starts with a deep and abiding trust that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Our Redeemer. And that everything flows from that trust and hope and faith in Jesus. I finished this morning with the words of the first and fourth verses of the hymn, God of Grace and God of Glory. It's usually sung to the Welsh hymn tune, "Cumrunda." These powerful words penned by the great preacher, preacher, Harry Emerson Fosdick, sums up this proclamation that I've been emphasizing today. The words go like this, God of Grace and God of Glory, on your people... For your power. Crown your ancient church's story. Bring its bud, its seed, the glorious flower. Grant us wisdom. Grant us courage for the facing of this hour. For the facing of this hour. And then the last verse is my favorite. Save us from weak resignation. Oh, none of us have that. Save us from weak resignation to the evils we deplore. Let the gift of your salvation, your salvation, be our glory evermore. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage, serving God whom we adore. Serving God whom we adore. Amen? you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen. Go in peace. Let your light shine.